Hey everybody, this is Bobby. It's about an hour before midnight on New Year's Eve. Our plan for this show was to listen back to the episode of TVTL from one year ago tomorrow, or today, as you're hearing this, to evaluate how the guys did with their New Year's resolutions for 2015. But uh, that didn't happen. We haven't listened back. Uh, We're all out drinking or working or something. So, um, fuck you, or sorry. I don't know which one. Uh, but anyway, Happy New Year. Enjoy. Do you need wood? If so, please stop calling me Larry Woodstore. My last name just happens to be Woodstore, but not every Mr. Baker is a baker, and not every Mr. Woodstore owns a wood store. All right, my phone number is 832 746 Wood because it's easy to remember. Also, I do own the website, woodforsale.com, which lets you browse a great selection of wood. Add wood to your shopping cart, fill out a billing address, click checkout. But that was just a project for my web design class. I like wood. I love web design. Doesn't mean I own a wood store. TVTM! My motto is to catch a snake, become a snake. Think like a snake and be a snake. I tweet under the fake name at Martha Stewart Living Turkey Tips. So when you see those, even though they're legit like tips on how to prepare your turkey, know that it's me and I'm doing it as a joke. You have poor social skills. You have a problem. I have a problem? Mm-hmm. You say more inappropriate things than appropriate things. You scare people. No, I tell the truth, but you, you're mean. Type A, I'm not. Comfortable, caring, and serious about a relationship, I am. We do not know each other. This is all happening so fast. Can I get pregnant from this? Well, hey there. Welcome, everybody, to a Thursday afternoon edition of TBTL, the show that just might be too beautiful to live. Happy 2015. Woo! If we survived. If, That's my if, whistle. If this, if this is still working, if this frequency is still transmitting, I don't know. We could be in a hole, you know, the road. We could be in a last, what's that one that they are, the last stand or the Walking Dead? We could be in a Walking Mad Dead Max, situation. We could be in a Mad Maxing. I don't know. As we record this, though, all of the plans and all of the preparations point towards this being the show that you're hearing on the 1st of January, 2015. It is episode 1765 in a collector series. My name is Luke Burbank. I'm your host. Uh, you just heard from Camaro Kev, our friend from the Stack of Dimes podcast. Uh, Sean DeTore is here as well. And a numero uno mixer, fresh off of a, um, a what can only be described as an upsetting night of coffee baths <laughs> and midnight lovemaking, and uh, a person who did probably zero of the above, Andrew Walsh, who is in California today, Los Angeles to be specific, but this week, as this airs, is down in Mexico. What are you looking forward to in Mexico, other than not hearing me say Mexico anymore? <laughs> What am I looking forward to? Um, what I plan on doing during this trip is I am the most boring vacationer. And I feel like in public radio circles, you work with a bunch of kind of smart, adventurous people, especially. And so everybody's kind of like, yeah, so I, I took a trip to, you know, this exotic location. And it was ecotourism. And then we went here. And then we learned about this. And then we, I don't know, <clears throat> danced with the shaman. Ah, I don't know. I'm losing thread here but <laughs> what i like to do on vacation is you dance like nobody work, was watching yes. you work with jim morrison yes i did I, <laughs> mother i want to 
<laughs> oh man, <laughs> that snake. <laughs> Seven miles. Um, I uh, but I like to do nothing on vacation. I like to float in a pool and read uh, read paperback books. And I know that even though we're recording this before uh, I'm leaving, I, I've stayed at the same place that we're staying at down in uh, Mexico before. And I know that the pool has a built-in bar. I know that because oh, I spent a lot of money God. in that built-in bar. And so Wonderful. you, what you do is. Oh, and this is one of those infinity pools, too, so the water kind of flows over the edge. So you just like kind of hang over that. You're reading your book the whole time, and then you pick up your, your um, let's say, your screwdriver, your orange juice and vodka, and you realize you're getting near the bottom of that, so you just kind of float on over over to the bar, and you, you put it down, and they say, uh, another screwdriver, senor? And you say, si. And good <laughs> Lord, my friend, there's nothing I didn't better. know you'd been studying Spanish. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's... <clears throat> Yeah, I'm pretty advanced, actually. When, when are you there? What are the dates, uh, Andrew? Not entirely sure off the top of my head right now, but I, it's basically the entire week between Christmas and and, um, and New Year. Will you be bringing the New Year in down there? Yeah, that's yes, I believe so. Uh, may I make a suggestion? Please. Why don't you head on over to the Cabo Wabo Cantina and... Uh, and watch the Red Rocker Sammy Hagar bring in the new year like he does every year down there. So it's weird that we're huh? having this conversation on the first, but like what I should have done last night. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, how was well, Sammy really Hagar? Fucking with the space time <laughs> continuum. This is um, nice one, man. I have I, I, been it, to Cabo Wabo before. Don no Bass. joke. We went there. Um, <laughs> I did not know that he, the man himself will be there ringing in the new year. Is that what he does every year, or are you just kind of Googling think, it for me now? I think. He does do it every year, and that's why I did do the googly for you right now. Thank you. Um, what are your uh, Camaro? Uh, as a person who uh, knows a lot about the Red Rocker, actually, mm-hmm. sure. W- what are the top top three Red Rocker songs in your opinion? Well, it's. Uh, I think it's definitely number one's got to be something from the Van Hagar area uh, mm-hmm. era of uh, Sammy Hagar. So it's got to be like right something now. off of fifth. Oh God, that just uh. <laughs> uh, summer nights off of fifty one fifty is the best Sammy Hagar song of all time. And summer I'm not, nights. I'm not talking about the song from the stupid uh, Grease movie. That's it. Okay, That's summer nights. That's the best Red Rocker. I don't know that song. Uh, what are the chances that you and Genevieve will go see the Red? We'll have gone and seen the Red Rocker last night, which has not yet happened <laughs> as we record this. All I can tell you is I have a photograph of my family. Yeah, and your hands disappearing. Disappear. <laughs> That's all I can tell you right now. Um, it's unlikely this that is the we gross did that part. Last I got to get your parents to have sex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm so, not happy about this next part. Wait, why do I have to have my mom sleep with Sammy Hagar again? Can somebody please <laughs> explain that to me? Wait, you're growing out hair like Vincent <laughs> from. The uh, Beauty and the Beast live action movie. You're becoming you're becoming half Hagar because your mom ended up mating with Sammy Hagar in this weird future verse that we've now created. Uh, here's what I, I was thinking: being that it is the first day of uh, 2015 as this show airs, I'm wondering, do we have any goals? I'm almost afraid to to ask. Do we have any goals this year uh, as an assembled group? Tori? um. I don't normally make like resolutions or goals, but um, what I've started to do is just I've been trying to see people as all connected and tr- just trying to be like kinder to people and more understanding, even though I can get pissed off like the best of them. And I still do because I'm only human. Um, but just, you know, mm-hmm. there's a documentary called I Am, and it's all about how we're all connected and how we should be 
you know, not trying to push each other down, but help each other succeed, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's all energy, man. It is all energy. So that's sort of something that I'm going to try to work on is just. uh, Well, I'm glad because you have been a real dick the last year. (laughs) That's good. That actually sounds like that sounds like a really, really good goal. And that's all because of this girl that I'm dating. She's really inspiring me not only to read out loud like a grown adult would, um, but uh, to just sort of be kinder and and see people as just one, you know? Wow. Are you you dating Bob Marley? (laughs) (laughs) I was Uh, going to say, Sean, it would have been funny if we had, because these shows are, you know, playing out over the course of 10 days, it would have been nice if we could have seen some sort of, like, arc in your relationship, (laughs) if we had kind of plotted it out throughout. Well, for instance, I hope that the relationship's not over by the time it's (laughs) there. Oh, no. It's going to be ugly. Oh, Oh, wow. I don't think it will be. Why do you have to put that energy out there, Luke? I'm just energy, Sean. I'm just energy. Damn space time continuum. It's keeps messing with your brain. Yeah. God. Oh man! You know when you were talking about the infinity pool, Andrew, <laughs> uh, in Mexico, and the and the, the cocktails by the pool, it was making me think of like the relationship that I have every time I go to a place that has a pool. It's like in a warm climate, and they sell drinks at the pool. And oh. it, this is this is always like when I sit down, I look at the menu, and I'm like, it's fifteen dollars for a purple palm, you know, whatever thing. And then I'm just like, well, I'm going to have one, and then I'm going to go to the CVS and get a flask and <laughs> try to do my own thing. And I have the first one. I'm like, you know, that really hit the spot. All right, this is, I'm having one more. And then four in, I'm just like, this is the most magical day of my entire life. <laughs> yeah. And thousands of dollars later, it's like, boy, that was a fun vacation. I'm, I always start off so just horrified at what this is going to cost. And then there's just something about the combination of the of the sun and the surf and the people just bring you the drinks mm-hmm. in the plastic glasses, mm-hmm. in the shatterproof plastic glasses. That's why I, I go with the all-inclusive sandals resort. <laughs> so I don't I have like to worry voice. about that problem. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any goals for this? This is, this is the kind of thing that you – doesn't seem like you're going to say, yeah, I've got a whole checklist of goals. You don't, It doesn't seem like you – Oh, well, last year my goal was to be less judgmental. Really? Yeah, to because I'd a find myself goal. I I'm know. Just kidding. And, I mean, it, I'm glad you failed. Yeah, it yeah. failed like probably two weeks <laughs> yeah. into it. But I would, I would catch myself being like, I, I don't even like it. Not necessarily like making fun of my peers or like saying like, can you believe that Andrew mm-hmm. uh, liked that stupid movie? It, nothing like that. But it, but like just being like angry towards. Um, pop culture, or even mm. like, uh, like you guys ugly even sweater talked about parties. this a little bit. Yes. <laughs> By the way, I'm so with you guys in that whole thing. But like, even to your your show where you tweeted, um, Tom Cable's son. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I wrote a mean tweet about one of the Seahawks coaches, and like his son must just cruise Twitter to find mentions of his father, and then it was. Basically tweeting me back, you're a dombass. <laughs> I, 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 last year I was like, I kind of said to Anita, like, you know, I need to stop like obsessing over that or not obsessing, but just talking about that or, or, you know, like being part of a me, culture be, of be, like yeah, negativity like or something, mm-hmm. being a part of the gawker culture, if you will, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I just want to be a part of the gunt culture. <laughs> <laughs> so that failed last year, but this year, um, and this is really lame to build up to, to nothing here, but I just need to get my shit organized. I don't. I I refuse to connect my work email to my phone or any device. 
Um, but now mm-hmm. I'm like getting to the point where I'm forced to do it now mm-hmm. with, I don't know, just with things going on. Um, so I really got to get my shit organized. It's just that's it's lame, but that's it. I have to. I think that mine is not anything profound uh, or interesting, which is in keeping with the history of this program. <laughs> I think mine is to try to be uh, more thankful. And it's like I am the luckiest son of a gun in the whole world that I get to do this for you know one of my main jobs and that I have the people in my life, you guys and my family and my kid. And like I've been doing this thing. It's funny. I've been this one jog that I do by my house. I stop in the middle and I think I tell myself it's because I, I want to like have a moment and think about for one minute. I try to think about everything I'm thankful for that day as I look out on the little ocean stuff. Mostly I think it's because I have to go up a hill to get to this bluff and my <laughs> shit is tired and I just want to I want to catch my breath, but I want to pretend it's like an important moment in my life. But I've been trying to do that. I even did this today, actually, before I came out here where Carrie and I had just been. I went on this little jog and I stopped and I just went through all the things that I'm thankful for. And I have to say it seriously changes my perspective on the whole day because no matter how great your life is, and I have a pretty great life, I have to say, I'm very, very fortunate just that. Again, I've, I get to do creative stuff for my job, and I have all these friends I love, et cetera. But wh- however your life is, it's really easy to just think about the things that aren't going great. Mm-hmm. Think about the stuff you wish was different. Think about what you don't have. Or just go through without ever really thinking about it for yeah. a second. Right. You know, you're just moving constantly forward to the next thing. Yeah. So I'm going to try to be a little – I'm going to try to be more thankful in 2015. Or just be more aware of the things that I'm – uh, grateful for, I guess. Uh, how about you, Walsh? It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, no. Yours was going to be uh, what to, to do a five k walk. Yeah, because <laughs> now we've been talking about deep, emotional, important stuff. To do a fun run. Um, I would say that. I mean, <laughs> my uh, my goal this year is actually. I mean, it's the same as it was last year and the year before that, which is to. Um, be on the Stack of Dimes podcast, but you know, oh. who knows? maybe I'll just, I'll probably Keep end trying, up just, pal. you know, ending this year the way I ended last year, just <laughs> big pillow full of tears. You know what, Andrew? Though it's it's not getting on Stack of Dimes; it's the journey. <laughs> that's the that's that's the thing that's so important. Most of life is journey. Most of life isn't being on Stack uh-huh. of Dimes. Yeah, that's what so they keep, that's what they keep to... telling me in the email that I get yeah. back. It's weird because it's just an auto reply. Yeah, they don't even send those back. The weird thing is, it always is addressed to Andrew. Like I must be the only one who's sending the emails. <laughs> oh no, they set up they set up a rule in the email oh, specifically okay. for you. In okay. fact, that's the only email Kevin gets on his phone from <laughs> <Right>. work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're, you're not being you're not being you're not being truthful, are you? Did you send an email saying you wanted no, to get on? No, I never. So you can, I never uh, sent the email. Oh, okay. <laughs> So you're also, a liar. Yeah, so. your other goal was just to not lie so much. Lie. Stop making jokes so awkward. That'll be my speaking of liars. That'll be my goal for next year. Speaking of liars, that brings us to our best of episode. Oh, and by the way, unrelated to liars, thanks to our show sponsor today, Colin Twos. Colin Twos sponsored us during the TBT Alphon. Thanks, buddy. We really appreciate. It. Now b- back to the liars. Uh, Kim Jong Un was in the news a lot this year. Uh, and this was well before all of the uh, the hacking and the uh, the shutdown of that movie, the interview. This was in the days of his disappearance and then his emergence with a with a with a limp uh, that we speculated I think could only be gout. Anyway, plantar fasciitis possibly. We had our Jay Buner also suffers from that. Just FYI, missed some games during his career for that. That's how when I first heard of plantar fasciitis. And the bone was out with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this brings us to uh, to a show that we did 
with our friend Jen Flash Andrews, some of you may remember, uh, another co-founder of this program. She is obsessed with North Korea, and so uh, we decided to get the latest on Kim Jong-un. It was a show we called Kim Jong-un Demystified and Remystified with Jen Flash Andrews. Take a listen to this bad boy from the TBTL archives. TBTL! You're here to make friends. Making friends is the name of this show. I'm done with wolves now. I'm into angry unicorns. <laughs> if I was a unicorn, I'd never be angry. You'll be staying with two of our undergrads in their dorm rooms. And what's a dorm room? Oh, it's where the students sleep. Oh, a room share. Oh, I like that. <laughs> and you'll maybe eat meals with them in the dining hall. And that's the cafetorium? Good afternoon and welcome to Judgment City. You've just had quite a little journey, so for now, relax and enjoy the ride. Hey everybody, welcome indeed to Judgment City, also known as a Monday afternoon edition of TBTL. This is the show that just might be too beautiful to live. Let the fun begin. My name is Luke Burbank. I am your host. This is episode 1,707 in a collector series. Podcasts are the future of show business. And a place where it is going to get very, very windy on the recording. Let me explain. Uh, I come to you from the small maritime village of Port Townsend, Washington, and uh, our, our studio is located in what used to be, well, a long time ago it was a customs office, then it was a federal courthouse, now it's the post office here in Port Townsend, but it's situated on a bluff, which has beautiful views of the water. And for the entire summer, I sat up here thinking, boy, this is almost too good to be true. And then today I came in, and the wind was howling off of the bay, almost pushing the windows in on us and creating what is basically a wind vortex inside the recording studio. Man, it is nasty out there. So um, anyway, we'll just try to get through this together. We will have to take evasive action if we get more than like two or three of these days uh, per year. Anyway, here we go with the show. As soon as we get the kinks worked out here, I'm sure it's going to be a great, great show. Uh, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, huh? Yeah, that's, that's the... New way that, that they're celebrating Columbus Day, in Seattle anyway, and in many other places. I spent half of today worrying about the wind, gale force winds inside the studio, and the other half of the day reading about Christopher Columbus. And I have to be honest with you, even now I'm not completely sure how to feel about if we should or shouldn't have a Columbus Day. Also, Saturday Night Live had its lowest rated episode ever among 18 to 49-year-olds. It stinks! Over the weekend. Um, is it time to say goodnight to this show? 40 years in, has it reached the end of its relevance when we think about all of the new ways that people consume comedy skit type stuff? Also, speaking of um, the media arts, if we have time, we'll get into a little uh, filmmaker's corner when we talk about uh, the movie Gone Girl, which I saw this weekend. And I saw something else finally on demand that I've been dying to see, and it did not. Um, so who needs a movie? It did not disappoint. Talk about all that with my buddy Andrew Walsh. He is down there in Santa Monica, California, in a basement, which I assume is almost completely wind-free. New Hampshire? Would that accurately describe your, your environs right now, Andrew? I'll tell you what. I have an option here. I can, I can um, just agree with you, or I can make a fart joke that won't be very funny. So <laughs> I'm just going to say, yeah, it's wind-free down here. <laughs> uh, I don't want to put you in an awkward spot, but um, the thing uh -huh. about working in radio at radio stations is that you find yourself often in a soundproof, and maybe I should also point out, more or less airproof little unit, little cube, little chamber, and you're doing work, and you've maybe 
shame eaten one or two meatball subs from Subway. Are you ever tempted to just let let the dogs out in there? Tempted? I mean, <laughs> it hasn't really happened in um, where I work now. I don't spend a lot of time in studios here because I can do most of my editing at my desk and everything. But um, editing slash farting. Exactly right. So I just let it rip in the newsroom, um, which is a great way to. It's kind of a good way to make conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I. But so here doesn't really happen. But no, I mean it's a fact. I don't like. I, yeah, I don't like talking. I, you know, I'm not a huge yes fan of talking, talking about that. bathroom stuff, about breaking yeah. wind, but about laying about breaking an air wind biscuit. And, right. Um, but ew, God, ew. Um, I've never heard that term before. I was Did big, big no, big with the um, the ten to fourteen year old set in uh, Seattle, Washington. <laughs> oh man, you laid, <laughs> Maybe a, still fl- laid a floating air biscuit. Oh god, that's so evocative. All right, um, but you know, it, yes, easy answer. Yes, I mean, it's, it happened in any producer's life. I don't care who you are. Well, maybe we'll find out that I'm wrong later. But um, <laughs> as we talk to another producer, but I will tell you that I think most producers, if, if they're honest with you, will tell you there has been a time in their life when they are working in a studio by themselves. It's a small place. You're, it's so private and and womb like mm-hmm. in these small edit booths sometimes that you don't even think about what the the fact that what you're doing to the air quality in that it will last in here and that somebody is bound to walk in. That's what happens. My experience. Yeah. And and sometimes while you're still working there, and that's the worst. I feel like the worst. If you want to send up a bat signal within the radio station Mm -hmm. to get people to come in to talk about some piece of business with you, let a little floating air biscuit go in that room and just watch them line up to come in and just prattle on about something. And, also, the more you want them to get out of there because you feel like, okay, I'm in the six feet of this 12-foot room where maybe this is contained, but it's moving towards you, buddy, and I need you to just step away and let's talk about this sales meeting later. And then they just want to stay in there and just wrap mm-hmm. for a while and try to read on their face if, if this is hitting them or not. Then you fool yourself into thinking, maybe they maybe they damaged their olfactory you know, senses in the war. Right. Although they're right. 23. Or in so a different studio. <laughs> a different, that's right. Different time. Maybe they ended up in a room after Frank Shires. Uh, that's not True. even a... That's not even a... Is that slander? No. Well, uh, I mean, I guess it is spoken, so it is would be considered slanderous. But that's not even a thing about Frank Shires. I was just going for okay, an easy... Okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah. I was going for an easy Cairo-based joke because the person we're going to bring on now is our friend who we worked with, at least I did, at Cairo Radio. I love Jesus, but I drink a little. She's the co-founder of this show and a lifelong friend of mine. Her name is Jen Flash Andrews. Hiya, Jen. Hi. So um, I'm sure that there are moments for you... But when you step away from the show where you miss us and you miss the program and you think, man, I'd love to be a part of that. And then there are other times where we spend the opening seven minutes talking about floating air biscuits and you feel zero remorse. <laughs> I, I, I all the time have all sorts of exciting things, um, thoughts that I have that I want to share with you. That happens to me almost every day where I think, oh, I wish I could talk to Luke about this. So that does happen. <laughs> and obviously I also fart, but I never think... I never think I got to mm-hmm. talk to Luke about yeah, this. Those are not um, to use no. our overused Venn diagram um, mm-hmm. sort of uh, comparison here. Those are not circles that ever overlap for you in the Venn diagram of your life. No, no. I would say, though, that um, the best place to fart at a radio station is in one of the editing booths, and you do need to put a little sign on the window that says interview in progress. Right. Or just turn, uh, the, or turn the M. It stinks. See, we had two reasons to use the, 
<laughs> the sound effect from John Lovett's short-lived show, The Critic. Um, the key there, really for anything that involves keeping people out of the studio, is you turn the mic on and you just put the mic volume down to zero. Yeah. But that on-air light, that usually keeps them away. That's like silver to uh, vampires. Yeah. Exactly. And they'll stand and look at you through the yeah. window to try to shame you into coming out. And you just sit there until the smell dissipates. I don't care. You know, stare at me. I don't care. Yeah. That's, You're that's... doing them a favor. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Um, Jen, how are you? We haven't talked to you since the uh, Chateau Saint-Michel picnic, which was a blast. I mean, I'm okay. Obviously, the news is so insane that um, I have taken up basically... Mm, 40% of my day is just looking at cute pictures of animals on the internet now. Just As a to, palate cleanser? Yeah, I mean, it's otherwise... I, I, I mean, I'm sure you guys had the same experience today, which is that you found out you'll be working till you're 80, because the Dow dropped so bad. Mm. It stinks. I actually didn't. <laughs> See, you'd confuse me and Andrew with people who have investments. <laughs> Wait, actually, you confuse me with someone who knows what news is. Can you, <laughs> can you back up on that? I'm just saying that the news is so bad that either I can sit with a pit in my stomach all day long or I can look at this feed I found today, which is bunnies with things on their heads. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah a I've fun seen the one, one with the pancake there. What, what, did the, what did the DOJ do today? It dropped. It's down to like 16,300. By the way, I said DOJ. That'd be the Department of Justice. And I mean, yeah. how are they going to get by without Eric Holder? Um, <laughs> it's down how many? What? It was down to 16,300. Down today. to 23. That's one. The, one in, and uh, basically one in a third percent. It's always fun to talk, um, you know, really late-breaking news on a podcast, because when people listen to it, they will know what really happened, and I just always sound like an idiot. But, you know, that's why we do this, because we love it. But sometimes you uh, find that you, when you do say something that's prescient, you look really good. Like, sure. on, on Friday's show, I said that, and we're not going to go into sport ball talk, I promise, mm-hmm. but on Friday's show, I told Andrew that his sport ball team was going to win handily on Sunday, and they did. And even though my sportful team lost, which made me sad, I was still just mostly happy that I was right on my prediction. So there is a certain there is an upside if you nail it with the prediction, uh, it can look good. Uh, I mean, if you want, we could just try to turn this into a marketplace segment. I can be Kai Rizdal and can tell everybody the <laughs> Dow was down uh, one at a third percent today. The Nikkei and uh, not doing it any favor. Some profit taking happening over in the uh, international markets. Silver lining alert, though. My name is still Kai Rizdal. Apparently, I'm the only one who listens to Marketplace on this show because you guys should be <laughs> oh. you guys should be rolling with laughter. At the mistake that I made was to go over to um, Mad Money just to check out with Kr- what Kramer what Kramer <laughs> had to say two, today. Two, was two mega mad? booyahs? <laughs> yeah, I got some I got some mega booyahs. And also at one point he said, um, this market won't reach a bottom until Ebola and ISIS are taken care of. And so at that point I thought, well I guess it's over. I mean Yeah. We're done. Yeah. Well I mean I don't know what's worse. Uh, the the fact that Ebola is seems to be running rampant or that Iggy Azalea is wishing upon paparazzi that they have Ebola. Mm-hmm. That's what Ebola she did brings out the worst in all of us, I think. We can all be safe to say, because I definitely, um, secretively, until now this minute, I do have kind of a, um, a run kit packed. Mm. If I have to go hide in the, in the woods like that guy that killed the Pen- Pennsylvania uh, police guy. Oh, yeah, that if guy. If I have to pull him, I can't think of his name. There was another one earlier named Eric Rudolph, so I'll just say Eric Rudolph. Yes. If I just... have to pull an Eric Rudolph, uh, I do have a go bag ready. Okay. You you always have, by the way, I did find a mad money soundboard. Which is, uh let's see, just uh, sorry. 
Anyway, I'll just be playing that throughout the show, which I think she'll, would be pretty good for listeners. <laughs> Jen, you've always had a go bag or a run bag. I mean, that's the thing about you. In fact, I would say if there's a problem with your run bags, it's that you're, you're ready for the apocalypse, but you're ready to enjoy the end of the world in the style that you've enjoyed the non-end of the world, which is to say a lot of it is, seems to be dedicated to alcohol and entertainment. entertainment. And yeah. like you're, you, you wouldn't be a good Eric Rudolph because the key to being an Eric Rudolph or whatever this other guy's name is, is being just running into the woods with nothing. But you'd be like, hold on, I need to get another snack pack of white wine right. if I'm going to well, do this. Exactly, because like PETA in uh, Hunger Games, his whole skill is that he can hide in, in the bushes. He can camouflage himself in the bushes. Mm-hmm. But the problem is then you're like stuck sitting in the bush. You know, like there's a boredom element there that would not work for me. Yes, exactly. So I, can't, I know that I probably can't, I can't hide in the woods. So if Ebola is chasing me, that's, I'm not going to escape. But if like Ebola came to my town Mm -hmm. and I needed to hit the road for a bit, I think I'd be okay. But the problem is, as I shared with you when we did our Y2K show, (laughs) what I learned from my trying to run from Y2K is that actually at the end of days, I want to be in community. I don't want to be by myself out in the middle of nowhere. I would rather die with my people. Mm-hmm. You know? for, for Andrew, if Ebola comes to the door of the radio studio, it's just leave the on-air mic on and steer forward. <laughs> right. And just hope it exactly. goes away. Attack Steve Giotakis or something. <laughs> I'll say, trust me, guys, you're still better off out there. <laughs> so, Flash, we, we, we asked you to come on the show because there was, uh, there's been North Korean news um, brewing over the last... Um, weeks because of the, the the non-appearance of one Kim Jong-un. And uh, early Friday morning, um, I guess it would be regular Friday morning, uh, North Korea time, he was supposed to appear at his, the mausoleum that holds his father and I think his grandfather, and because uh, it's the 69th uh, anniversary of the, of the movement, and he didn't show up. And everybody said, well, that means he's either dead or his sister has taken over or who knows what. So the plan today was to talk about the, the mysterious disappearance of Kim Jong-un, but we actually have some breaking news here. TVTL breaking news. Which is what exactly, Flash? Can you fill us in? Well, North Korea um, Broadcasting is claiming that he showed up at a scientific academy in order to give guidance. I'm really uh, glad, by the way, Jen, that you wisely zeroed in on a key part of this story, which is North Korean media states, because I have not seen any photos. Uh, this place that he showed up at doesn't sound like a real does not. Sorry, this is CNN is auto loading some nightmare. Thanks, CNN. Another reason we hate you. Just trying to look up a little background on what this weird scientific reserve was, and they start playing a Chase Bank ad. Anyway, he showed up at the, supposedly showed up at this place, but there are no photos of him being there, and it's reported by the North Korean news agency. Well, here's the thing. So last week they were saying that um, this, was, this was reported at HuffPo, and it was reported at Daily Beast, and I'm sure many other places, was that he, North Korea was saying that he needs 100 days to recover from an injury because when he went to a military drill, he decided to take place in the drill, and he worked so hard doing all of his, you know, crawling under stuff and, and mm-hmm. all the stuff in Officer and Gentleman. When he was doing all of that, he injured himself. So... First of all, we all know that's not he true. He carried Deborah Winger. <laughs> exactly. It was exhausting. <laughs> uh, so every it's like if they said that he showed up at a you know a doctor's office in suburban um, Pyongyang to 
to have his ankle x-rayed, I would be maybe more interested in believing the story than that he needed to go give scientific guidance at the scientific center. I wish I could find the exact article I was reading earlier uh, where they, they had somebody from the somebody who was, I think, an ambassador from North Korea to another country was describing or maybe it was the news agency itself was describing what Kim Jong Un did at this place. And the quote was just really wonderful because it was like he went to a vantage point. He looked through a spyglass and then he remarked, it was beautiful. And it was like and then somebody apparently just pulled like a whistle and then he slid down a dinosaur. And then it was like, (laughs) put in another hard day of work, Kim Jong Un. You went out there, you hobbled out there with your gout or whatever. You stared through this thing and then you pronounce it to be beautiful. and, And now you're done. Don't you think, though, if he was really okay, there would have been a million pictures of this distributed by the North Korean news agency? Yes, I am sticking with I, I have five possibilities. Oh, good. The first one, I know you're going to discount right away, but Andrew might be with me on this. Okay. There could be a sci-fi element here, a land of the Lostian kind of. He might have accidentally went into an elevator and is now in another you know, multiverse. That I mean, you know, yeah. let's just, I, I said I'm it first it. because it's probably not true. But he also, you're right, I I like to think that maybe he's talking to a talking lion right now who may or may not be God. Yeah, no, an Aslandian kind of situation would be wonderful, perhaps a lost, maybe he's in Tunisia. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot. Of, but, you know, that's just number one. Okay. And it's probably not true. Okay. Well, okay. I mean, what we know about the multiverse is that on some level, if you think about it, that has to be right, though, because if we have if you believe that I do that, that that space is infinite, that means that there are an infinite number of possibilities as well. And so there is a universe in which Kim Jong-un is both the still the dear leader of North Korea, but he also went into a land of the lost sort of thing. Because every oh my God! Do poss- you guys want to get high and go back to my dorm? <laughs> <laughs> We're already at your dorm, bro. That's how <laughs> high you happened. are. Uh, <laughs> I'm already staring past you oddly at a TV that's positioned <laughs> next to another TV, Jen. That's a reference to Andrew's. Um, what do you call it? A kill floor? I mean a apartment that you had in college. <laughs> anyway, okay, yeah, so my, that's uh, so that, that's option number 1 that he's mm-hmm. fallen into some kind of a land of the lost wormhole multiverse type of um, mm-hmm. situation. What's another what's and, another possibility? And by the way, I agree with you about the multiverse thing. What I'm confused about is whether or not there are actually portals. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really where it breaks down for me is I'm not positive that there's a portal. Okay. But if there is, he could have gone through one. Okay. If there is a portal, what we know is that when he went through it, his hat fell out on the wrong side, and he had to reach back through and <laughs> yeah. pull it through right as the yeah, portal closed. Yep. We know that much happened. <laughs> okay, number two is that he's dead, and I don't think that's true. Oh, that's a good—this raises a, actually a legitimately interesting question, Jen. Do we wish for the death of Kim Jong-un, or, or, or would it seem fair to us or just to us if he were dead? I think it is just. If he's dead, but I'm not going to wish for it because I've learned recently that karma is really important in my personal life as a woman. You're talking about the Seahawks yeah, losing on Sunday? That's how you get yeah. paid. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm going to say that I think it would be certainly just for him okay. to be dead, but I'm not hoping for that. Okay. Um, I don't, well, I don't think he's, I don't know. I mean, here's, here would be the argument for why it's possible he is, he is deceased. Because they haven't even wheeled him out to anything. Like, we were, Andrew and I were talking about this on Friday uh, a little bit, and it's like, okay, so this thing that he was supposed to go to, his 
you know, is viewing his father's, uh, there's nothing creepy about this at all, uh, viewing his father's, like, you know, formaldehyde remains next to his... I think it was the anniversary of the founding of their party or something. Right, but the way that he celebrates it, typically, <laughs> is to go show up at this mausoleum where the other dudes are, like, doing, like, it's a small world of Korean dictators. And you get on a little coal, you know, cart, and you go through, and then, you know, they, it's... Uh... So anyway, uh, I guess I was just thinking, like, they knew that it was important for him to be there because everybody was starting to talk. And there's no strategic advantage I can see. And I am obviously a North Korea scholar, so I know a lot about just the region in general. I can't see any strategic advantage to them downplaying Kim Jong-un's v- v- um, viability and health as a human. You know what I mean? Like, well, no. Okay, so you think there's a possibility. I, well, I mean, obviously the reason that, that you called me is that I've read a book. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's been pretty pretty clear that I read a book about yes. North Korea. Nothing to Envy. Nothing to Envy by Barbara Demick. And mm-hmm. so that is why I know more than you. Yes, that is true. This. Everything so. you say is true so far. Okay. Can I, now, can so. I just quickly, can I just, fin- can I just finish that statement and then let's move into yeah. the more learned part of this conversation based on your reading <laughs> of the book. Um, I think that the possibility that he's dead does exist and it's because uh, if he did die, they wouldn't know what to do exactly, and they'd be just trying to figure out what their next move was so as to preserve as much of the power and as much of the cult of personality as they could to keep everybody in line. Now, um, if he weren't dead, if he were just not feeling great, don't you think that they would have prevailed upon him that it, we have to hobble you out to this thing at the mausoleum or we have to set up a whole elaborate thing where you're just sitting down and it's like Princess Bride. You can be sitting on a bed. Maybe you have no strength in your body, but you just tell the media to the pain and then you explain and you hope that they give up before they figure out that you don't have any strength. Don't you think they would have done something along those lines with him? Because it's so important for him to seem like he's you know healthy and in control that's my thought anyway i actually uh, that was the thing because one of the things in in nothing to envy is that she made a really point of explaining that a really good point about how when people are brainwashed to the level that the north koreans have been brainwashed they i mean when his grandfather who i think was like kim song ill or i can't remember what it, it was like kim song something or kim il song when he died the whole country went batshit I mean, they lost their mind, weeping and wailing in the streets, flogging themselves. I mean, like, biblical stuff, like, out of their minds, freaking out when he died. Like, because they thought the world was ending because they were so brainwashed into thinking that he was the be-all, end-all, like a god. And so I think you're right in that there might be some level of they got to kind of get it together. Oh, my God, I'm freaking out! The thing is, I mean, his whole problem, I think, is that he does not rule over a group of people that are like the, the group of people his grandparents ruled over. Because however cut off they are from the world, my sense is they have to have more of a sense of the outside world than, uh, you know, than... From where? I mean, are they not? I mean, is there, they don't have TV. They don't have nobody who has a cell phone in the entire country. There's no Internet. No. Like, I mean, if you look at the satellite picture of North Korea, it's completely dark because they don't have anything. Hmm. It's just hard for me to wrap my mind around the idea that you could keep that many people completely out of the loop on everything and anything. But I mean, I guess it's. I guess if you either that or if you have CenturyLink as your provider, <laughs> that's another way that you would speak as a CenturyLink customer. <laughs> Not to complain, but anyway, it's like being a North Korean, really. I mean, I think I can identify. Um, okay, so, so Jen, back to why you think that they would want to fake him being dead. Well, I think that, that if he is dead, I think it is possible that they would not be announcing it right away because they're kind of getting a plan together. Right, but so would, there be any, would, would there be any reason that they would want to actually, like, kind of do a do a misdirection where they like like kept him out of the mix for a while because somehow they think you'd be better if a reverse weekend at Bernie's. So, basically exactly <laughs> basically <laughs> exactly 
Um, I can't think of any reason unless they were going to have, like, bring him back from the dead, like Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I could see him pulling that, you know. Ooh, that mm-hmm. would be smart. Have him, yeah, claim, right that he's, ha- claim that he's dead and then have him lying in state and they're doing one of those crazy, like, 50,000-person, like, ribbon flag demonstrations that they do in North Korea that are amazing. I'm not saying that that's a good way to spend your entire national budget every year, but it's beautiful. I mean, it's gorgeous to watch. And if watch. they do it, we get a consulting fee, That's by God's right. sake. But then he sits up. He's like in the middle of the yeah. square of all the people with those flags. And then he sits up. And then he's like, do you smell what the rock is cooking? Because one of the things is their references are a little behind ours. <laughs> so it, it may be a kind of 90s. But anyway, think of how impressive that would be. Yeah. No, I mean, that that's, I think we've come up with a perfectly good reason for them to be pretending he's dead. Okay, so any other? Okay, okay so so possible okay. land of the lost, um, mm-hmm. possible um, dead. dead or not or, or not fake dead, dead or fake dead. Um, okay, my next one is that he's that he's locked up somewhere that he's actually in some kind of custody. Ooh, that one is very interesting. Whoa. To me. and that's my favorite. Who would who would who would have the power or authority to lock him up? Well, if if his advisors all got together, okay, have you ever watched Survivor? Because what you have to do is make an alliance. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's very important. So if his advisors all got together and they made an alliance and he didn't realize it because he thought he was in an alliance. Who's the John Rocker in this story? <laughs> Did you watch? Are you still watching that show, Jen? No, I am not still watching it. But I, but I faithfully watched like the first eight seasons. Because, I mean, not like I was going to start watching, but when I saw that they put John Rocker, the <laughs> racist Atlanta Braves closer, one-time closer on, the, basically the, the inspiration for Kenny Powers, I was like, I can't not watch this and it was amazing <laughs> but that could be what happened is there was an alliance made and okay. they got him and they've got him locked up i i like to think that it's kind of a dungeon like i think it's down in a basement and it's like cages like in kiss the girls and he's down in there and um he doesn't know what's going on and i don't want to you know like i i said on twitter you know i mean obviously he should have some pillows to prop up his hurt ankle i'm not a monster <laughs> you've got to elevate oh that. okay because i was about to ask you i was going to ask you if your imagination would be fancy free enough to even imagine a reek like scenario but it sounds like you would not approve of that no i would like i i don't want it to be um horrible but i want it okay. to be very confining could it okay. could they just make him stay on a rental car shuttle that just keeps going oh. around at LAX cuz yeah. that's pretty much yeah. hell as far as I'm concerned. What's the most tedious hell place you could get stuck that's not actually hell and not physically damaging? Um, a studio a after Jen's been using it. <laughs> <laughs> a church where the pastor believes that he has a word oh, to share yeah. Yeah. and he's just going to speak until the holy spirit is done. That is my hell personally. That is Ironic that uh, it's a place that's supposed to save you from hell and <laughs> yeah. create a hell for you, Jen. But that's pretty bad. I, and I get this. I get that. That's a very specific reference, but I get mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Andrew, what's your real answer? Hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I feel like I feel that way a lot. Like I'm trapped, like a, almost like a, uh, like a, like a podcast is going to end at any moment, but it's just doesn't end and you just mm-hmm. can't leave and go home yeah no i i don't know can i, I actually i want to give you a real answer because i feel like there's there's a lot of times in my life where i just feel so beaten down and i i also feel like it's airline related but i mm. want to be thoughtful about this can i come back to this yeah i'll fill in one more answer which is okay i'm and i'm, I'm i don't mean to throw my hometown under the bus but the port townsend post office where mm. this very broadcast 
originates from. Um, the the line is always pretty long, and it's long because oh, I've got another one. I'll do two. Okay. Okay. So the line is always. Andrew, use your time wisely. You're supposed to be thinking. Yeah, don't. I am. I am stop thinking. Affirming me. I think I have. Stop one. talking yeah, about how you're yeah. thinking and do more thinking. <laughs> so, so one is th- at this at this place because what happens is this is small. T- I mean, Jen, God, if anybody knows small town life at this point, it's you. Yep. A place like the post office, nobody's in a hurry, and so it's where everybody's catching up, and everybody knows everybody, and the, the people that work behind the, the counter, they know the people that are coming up, and it's just really friendly. And also, it turns out there are about 37,000 options with, with each piece of mail. So it's like, what, what rate do you want it to go? Do you want to know if the other person gets it? Do you, do you want to have it be insured? How much, you know, there's like so many questions to ask. It's not just like, hey, take, please take this to you know, Tucson or something. So it's just, there could be three people in line in front of me and you're in for a good 30 minutes because everybody's just chatting. And even though I'm trying to get fully into my PT cruising mentality, which is where I'm just like, mm-hmm. Hey man, I'm just here. I can't quite get rid of my city life need to get through that line more quickly. Um, and I think also what's hard about, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think what's especially hard is that if you do happen to be in a hurry, it's viewed as a moral failure. Mm-hmm. Like there's something wrong with you. You you know what you you chose to live in the fast lane. That's not our problem. Well, and I, to be honest with you, I I that's I've created that own judgment of myself in my mind because the whole idea of coming out here and Jen, I mean you you and Jason, I don't want to speak for you, but my sense is to some degree you guys also wanted to just get out away from all of the yeah. city life stuff. And so then when you're out in the middle of nowhere and and you're having the exact experience you went out there for and it's <laughs> annoying you, you really have only yourself to blame. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew. I, well, I have a couple now, actually. Um, one is embarrassingly cliche, and I hate to say it because I always said I was going to be the guy who came to L.A. and said this. But honestly, if you want to talk about like me trapped in a tedious hell, like it's the 10 mm. on the way home, like every single day. Like it feels so long. And like I, I drive a manual transmission as well. And if, if you don't, I mean, it's just you just get on the highway it's only 10 miles away but you're like all right this is gonna take over an hour and it's just like inch by inch and just constantly clutch in clutch out clutch in clutch i think out, that was in, your problem i think out. you might have to ditch the scion bro yeah I, you know the funny thing is genevieve just got a new car she also got a manual transmission she decided what? to stick with it they still i make know <laughs> that's yeah. mad that's yeah. madness because we're both we're both uh, fans of the manual, and especially when you're not, um, especially when you're not in stop and go traffic, I'd still stand by it. But oh my god, there's just something about. I mean, especially at the end of a long day, on my way to work, it's no problem. And again, Jen, I apologize. Like honestly, I swear to God, I always said like I'm not going to be the guy who moves to LA and complain about the traffic any more <laughs> than I'm going to be the guy who's going to complain about the price of popcorn in a movie theater in the airport. Like it's just like yeah, these are the realities of life. And so and I just think it's just so cliche and boring. But if you want me to be honest about just like those moments where I'm just kind of like. Like you feel so trapped and you're just like looking at the clock and it's like slowly just crawling and everything is crawling and time is stopped. Um, I would say that. And also, if I can throw in a second one, um, kind of boring again, but true waiting. I, I cannot stand waiting for breakfast or brunch. Like I've what? done it a lot when I was younger. I feel like it. But like to oh, you me, mean waiting like, outside the restaurant. Yeah, like any kind of a big crowded thing where you go, you put your name in, and then you like have like an hour, and you're just like on the sidewalk waiting. We did a lot in Seattle. We do it less now because I just feel like there's enough like 
places to go where I'm not going to wait for a table anymore. But it's especially bad. I, I'm just an impatient person, clearly. But it's especially bad when you're hungry. You know, I just hate waiting when you're hungry. Um, it's funny because I was I was doing the Livewire show a c- couple weeks ago, and I basically was talking about people in Portland. They have the highest um, tolerance for waiting for food of any city I've ever seen mm. in my life. And what they, it seems to me, the ones who are just so zen about it, what they've realized is that the waiting is part of the experience. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, try, you chat with your friends and you bring like a French press of Stumptown coffee and you make it and you <laughs> sit there and you judge people who brought coffee from Starbucks and you just like, it's part of the deal. And they're, then they're, they're not really that annoyed by it. And you're into it? Are you, are you, could, I mean, I wish I could be more like that. No, I'm not into it at all, believe me, but I'd like yeah. to be somebody who's into it. That's how most yeah. things go. It's like waiting in the post office. Here's the other one. Here's the other one. Joanne's Fabrics in Ballard. Oh, we're doing childhood? No, we're doing t- a week ago. What? <laughs> I was in Ballard and I needed some curtain material. And I went to you the. You were just having a Christian Siriano moment? I was, I was, um, and uh, a couple of interesting things. If I was going, if I was single again and I was trying to mingle, I think I would hit the Joanne's Fabrics because may the odds ever be in your favor, Burbank. I might have been the only straight man who's ever set foot in that Joanne's. Um, And then the other thing was, again, like on a Tuesday morning at 11 a.m., nobody at the Joanne's is in a hurry to be anywhere. Except for the Joannes, the gals who worked mm-hmm. the register. In fact, I had read the Yelp review of this Joannes. I was trying to find a place to get some fabric when I was in Ballard. So I go on the internet, it says Joannes. And then the reviews are just auto-loaded right below. And, and the first one says, I love this place, but the line is insane trying to get to this line. And I was like, okay, whatever. I go, I get the stuff. By minute 35 in the line, I, there was four people in line, by the way. Two of them were elderly women with coupons that were trying to make returns of like a God's eye or something that they'd like, you know, purchase the fixings for. That was, um, that was, that was pretty bad. I'd put the Joanne's fabrics up there as well as a place. They should put it, Kim Jong-un. What is a God's eye? Is it like a dream catcher? No, I was just going for a crafty reference. A God's eye. When I was a kid was like a cross made out of sticks. And then you, you, you wrap yarn around it so that it's uh, kind of like, imagine a snowflake, but instead of uh, ice yes. crystals, the middle parts are yarn. Did you ever know that to be called a God's eye flash? No. Well, that's what we called it in Mrs. Wharton's class. I'm we might not up. have gotten that far in my home at class. Okay, so, um, yeah, I'm looking it up on the internet. The internet agrees with me. It's called a God's eye. All right, so flash. <laughs> so, um, so now, are there any, okay. do you have any more theories? Yeah, number two is that he's sick, yeah. and it's a sickness that is um, gross. Because Ooh. I think he's super vain. I think that's the number one thing about him. Because I think just about there's hardly anything that would keep him from appearing in the public when mm-hmm. there's all this rumor about him that kind of weakens him in our minds. Right. So mm-hmm. I think it would have to be something on um, his face, like maybe a really bad acne breakout mm-hmm. that he then mm-hmm. picked at and mm-hmm. got it infected. Is and, it possible that like um, I don't think anyone else is watching the Nick with me, but um, is it possible that not like uh, not unlike on that show? He contracted an STD, which made his nose Herpes. fall off. Yeah, and his nose has fallen off, and they had to replace it by by sewing his arm to his face until the skin could graft. It's possible that's what's that going is on. Exactly, exactly <laughs> the kind of thing that I like. I would not have thought of that particular thing because that's so sick. Yeah, but. but it is. It's something that's so embarrassing to him about his appearance that he would rather we think that there's been a coup. Like he would actually rather we think that. It has to be really bad. 
And what you just described is the worst thing I've ever heard of. By the way, mm-hmm. I am, I have felt that way before, not with my arm being stitched to my face, but certainly as a kid, a teenager, I had, I had pretty bad skin and, um, I have really had days where I was like, I would just, I'm okay with people thinking I'm lazy. <laughs> I'm dead. I, I'm just not going to work. You know, I'm okay with them thinking anything about me other than the, the real knowledge, which is that I have something on the end of my nose. <laughs> That mm-hmm. is full of pus and is super humiliating. Like, and then you do that. You go back and forth. Um, you had good skin, Jen, so you can identify probably. Did you, uh, Andrew? What was your zit situation? I, I mean, I wasn't like the clearest faced kid in the class, but I had so much of their shit going against <laughs> me. Like acne was not really a problem. It was just size and size. Well, for as in S I G H or S I Z E. <laughs> <laughs> or was it, was it S-I-G-H because of your S-I-Z-E? <laughs> there you go. Where's the bell? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I control the bell. I'm the Kim Jong-un of the show. <laughs> well, I, I, what I was going to say is if you were somebody who did, had really not great skin the way that I did, there was also this thresh, this tipping point where you're going, do I put a Band-Aid on it? Because mm-hmm. that's like... <sighs> Like, then do I just like cover it up that way? Because that's kind of sort of drawing more attention to it. But on the other hand, nobody has to really look at it. So it's kind of a win. But there's just maybe they're going to imagine something even worse under the Band-Aid. Anyway, I can Mm -hmm. identify if Kim Jong-un is just having a particularly um, bad breakout. First of all, I'd say you put some egg yolks on that. Those really, really dry the skin out. Uh, used to do that when I was a kid. Whip up a bowl of egg yolk. Wait a minute. Don't don't give. We're not giving Kim Jong Un advice. Oh, we're not I'm sorry. That. That's not what this show is doing. Okay, we're sorry. not on his side. Oh right. No. Okay. Sorry. My bad. Um, you should rub Put some chocolate on it. Stick on your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So maybe he's got a really embarrassing malady. Yeah. And so that's number two is okay. that he's sick in some way that is embarrassing to him. Okay. Okay. And then number one, and then the last one is that he just said F it. I mean, I, it's possible that he just, like, <laughs> left. You know what I mean? Like, he just realized, like, I want to see, you know, boobs and yeah. drink booze, and I don't want to pretend that I'm this, you know, stoic person anymore. Like, I just don't want, I want to have a total, I want to be. You've also, half, by the way, described you know? 20 hours out of his day when he's not looking through the viewfinder <laughs> at the, mm-hmm. at the, at the science giving reserve. Giving guidance at the science Giving center. guidance. He's the, the other, he leaves him with about 23 hours and 45 minutes with which to look at boobs and drink alcohol. <laughs> yeah, J- Jen, I mean. He wants to do it more freely, I think. And I with see, other people, because he has to literally do it by himself because he's the only person yeah. allowed to do it. You know what I mean? Is it possible yeah. that it's more like he had kind of like a a Tom Cruise in um like in a Jerry Maguire oh, uh, like right. moment where basically he's been she's been making all the right moves and he's been, you know, like the leader of the People's Republic of North Korea, but really it didn't add up to a hill of beans and he really just like he has like a Renee Zellweger type of girlfriend. Um, and he realized he just wants to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I'd be kind of great, wouldn't it? I yeah. mean, it's possible. That, that's, that would be kind of a happy ending to the story. With Dennis Rodman, right? To go back <laughs> to my theory from Friday. <laughs> I just want to imagine them in a bubble bath together. <laughs> you know what? Just finding happiness. That's what we're all trying to do. By the way. Uh, if you come knocking late at night, not only is this karaoke a video I'm playing, not only does it have the song Secret Garden on it, but it includes the lyrics. In case you guys have been fogging any of this, if the words you say are right, 
I'm just going to read these while the music plays. Just If you pay the price. Bruce Springsteen wrote this shit. This is the guy who wrote Thunder Road. She'll let you deep inside. Do you think, do you feel like Bruce Springsteen, who I really enjoy his work typically, do you think that he thought this was a good song when he wrote it? Or do you think that he just was like, well, it's for Jerry Maguire. This was good enough. <laughs> I believe that most musicians think the songs they write are good. I would guess that he liked it. Well, I guess he he liked it, but I mean, they have to know that some are stinkers. It's like my mom. We have seven kids. She has to know some of us are cuter than the other ones. <laughs> she can't like be like, they're all great. I mean, she kind of knows what's up. Um, okay, so, uh, well, those are five possibilities, Flash. Um, uh, the only ones that, as far as I, I can tell, so, according to my, you know, learned mm-hmm. reading of that book. Every time I read that book, yeah. Yeah, I think, I, if, if looking back on those possibilities, I think embarrassing face malady or death. Those are really? the two, those are the two those most Those are likely. your top. Well, I'm not saying that I'm rooting for those. No, no, but I mean in terms of what you think are most probable. Yeah, because nothing else makes sense if you think about it. Like, nothing else, uh, nothing short of those would would cause him to miss so many things. And then when he finally makes his appearance, I put that in quotes, which you can't see because this is audio. Um, When he makes his appearance, there are no photos of it. It's reported by the North Koreans. It's at some remote scientific range where he's, it's like, it just... I don't think anything uh, less intense would cause him to to miss this many uh, this many days of work. Although he does, in, in fairness to him, he has a lot of vacation he has to use. <laughs> before. Oh, we're coming up on the end of the year. Yeah, exactly. That use it or true. lose it, buddy. Too. It and is your gotta, fiscal year. A lot of people. Yeah. October. What part of he's the? Got a ton um, of mad hours. He's trying to <laughs> just unload. <laughs> well, that's a Cairo HR joke. That's mostly for Jen. Um, did either one of you ever take advantage of your mad hours? No, of course no, not. Jen actually, Jen, maybe you would have. I mean, I, I, I thought Jen might have, yeah. No, I didn't. No, because she, this is not to be critical of anybody at Cairo. So here's the thing at Cairo. They have these mad hours, which is actually a great idea, which you can volunteer and then you can get, um, they'll pay you your normal, what you would make for that day at working at Cairo, but instead you're helping the community. It's actually a wonderful thing. The mm-hmm. problem is that uh, you still have to do the work you were supposed to do when you get back, basically. So, you know, it, to me, it was like anybody who can actually take mad hours, it's probably not really very important to the company. They're the people who will get laid off when layoffs come. I mean, that should be the biggest, the biggest red flag is yeah. that mm-hmm. they use their mad hours. All their mad hours. <laughs> like... Huh, okay, so you were helping create um, potable water for people mm-hmm. in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, and, you know, turns, no out, the, turns you. out the mailroom just hummed along. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's great having you here. But um, All right, okay, so, um, so that's the latest on Kim Jong-un's. I will believe it, by the way. I'll believe he's not dead when I see a photo of him from someone that's not, from an outlet that's not the North Korean news right. agency. Right, I agree. Um, and for the record, I think he's locked up. You think that's he's locked up? That's, that's, your, that's your, your most that's likely. That's your number one? That's my number one. What's your number one, Walsh? Oh, this is boring. My honest number one? I mean, obviously the thing I'm rooting for is the He's one on the 10. Thing. I mean, obviously. He's sitting on the <laughs> yes, 10 somewhere. <laughs> he was trying yes. to go to a Lakers game. I could be game. wrong, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I saw him on Friday on the way home. Um, horrible driver, by the way. Um, on, I mean, in all seriousness, which I don't know why... A serious answer would be fine. Yeah, I think that he's got an illness of some sort. I don't know if it's like an embarrassing illness, but I believe that is he has an illness, and they're concerned about the weakness factor. Okay, so he'll look weak. 
Yeah, because you don't want you know the the deer leader to seem um, right. Right. weak. Yeah, and if he's lost weight and he doesn't look like a gummy bear anymore, <laughs> right? Like, exactly. They lose, they lose some points there because like mm-hmm. the, the, one of the huge important points about keeping the North Koreans under his thumb is their belief that he is in fact made out of a gelatinous material <laughs> and mm-hmm. is delicious. <laughs> Sorry. I was just listening to the. I literally was using this gummy bears intro as the um, as a sound check earlier. So you wait. This is the gummy bears. You played this for me before. Jen, did you know the gummy bear that we used to play? Gummy bear, gummy bear. Remember, it sounded like womanizer. Oh, what is that? I mean, that was a sound effect, maybe. But I see. I never knew about the Gummy Bears um, cartoon, which Andrew, you grew up watching, right? Yes, and I didn't. The reason I played this for you a few months ago was we because are the I gummy totally bears, forgot. We are the Gummy Bears. Remember that? We used to play that all the time on uh, TBTL. Yeah, the, Andrew, is that not on the cartoon? We are the Gummy this is, Bears. We really gummy no. This bears. is the theme song that I remember. Oh. Yeah, and this was a show that. I totally, totally forgot. Like, this uh, show I watched a lot as a kid and then totally erased from my memory, completely erased from my memory until somebody told me about it. And I was like, holy shit. And I went back and it was like a strange um I don't remember experience. ever seeing the Gummy Bears cartoon as a, as a no, kid. No, I don't either. They didn't play. They only played that there in the Frisbee belt of uh, Ohio <laughs> where you grew up, Andrew. Um, speaking wholesome, of Frisbees, by the way, we, we mailed out all the TBTL swag, and um, we we're very glad that people are enjoying it. We've also noticed a few people who enjoyed the Frisbees with their dog, and the Frisbees are now destroyed. We'll mail you a new Frisbee, but I don't think oh, really? Frisbees That's are happening? really— I don't think they're really— um, I don't, It never even occurred to us that we should ask for like dog-proof Frisbees. Of course that's what people do with Frisbees. They throw them for their dogs. If you have a dog that's bigger than like a um, a Paris Hilton sized dog, mm-hmm. uh, it's probably going to destroy the frisbee. So pr- maybe don't throw it for them. But if you did get your frisbee destroyed by a dog, I am looking at a stack of like twenty of them, and we'll totally mail you a new one. Um, sorry about that. All right, let's do a uh, top story or two here, real quick. Hello, and welcome to Top Story. Um, it is in the city of Seattle today, Indigenous Peoples Day, replacing, well, it's not really replacing Columbus Day. I guess it's just, it's Columbus Day if you want it to be Columbus Day, and it's Indigenous Peoples Day if you want it to be Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, this is a, uh, this is a sort of long-running controversy. Should we uh, celebrate Christopher Columbus, or should we honor him? Should we have a Columbus Day, um, or not? Because we now know a lot about Christopher Columbus that's, uh, not particularly great. Um, there was the part about him not really discovering America, which is puts a major dent in the argument that he should be one of the you know heroes of this country. Um, and then there's all I, today. I seriously was like spent out, a couple hours reading about what Christopher Columbus did when he was over here. And let me just start out by saying where I started with the Columbus this morning. I was talking to Carrie about this, and here's what I said. I don't know. It's like I know Christopher Columbus wasn't the world's greatest guy. And I know, you know, he ended up in slightly the wrong place, but it's like, how do we decide which people we're going to honor? I mean, most, if you go back far enough, probably almost anyone we're honoring was, had slaves and was probably a terrible person by our standards today because people were just terrible back then. They used violence and threat. And also we're assuming that the people that he displaced, um, were great 
and maybe they were keeping slaves of some other people that they had taken over. I mean, the world was a really brutal place back in those days. So that was where I started the day. And then I read for a couple hours about Christopher Columbus. And by the end, I was like, we can't honor that guy. <laughs> he just seems like he was a really, really just terrible, terrible person. But I don't know. I still, I guess I still feel like it's, it's, as soon as we, if we, if we try to scrutinize too closely, any of these people who are heroes, we're probably going to find out that they really weren't that heroic. So is the problem having heroes? Um, should we have a Columbus day? I now turn the floor over to you too. Well, I'd like to, you to keep the floor for a moment, if I may. Sorry, Jen. It's okay. Um, but, but I just, can you give me some like kind of, uh, some pull out examples that really turned you some anecdotes? Well, I'm not well versed on this. Well, basically what happened, I mean, mainly was this island, the, the, the first island that he showed up at or the first island where he sort of went and lived. Um, he the, the population was reduced by something like two or three million people over the course of about nine years. Um, like what he did basically was he shows up on this one island and he notices that the locals have gold in their ear in their ears. And they're apparently a peaceful lot. Um, some of them are actually scarred on their bodies because um, he did do, he figures out that this is because they've they're basically like a peace loving people and people have been coming over from other islands and attacking them and taking them away as slaves. And he mentions in his notes that these people are docile and easily turned into into servants. And then he gets some of the guys who have gold in their ears and he basically holds them hostage and says, take me to where you got the gold from that's in your ears. Um and then he like would there was there was a, an account where his brother had a woman paraded through the town. This is all happening over in basically the Caribbean. He never got to the U.S. proper at all, but um, it, he was the governor of um, of uh, uh, Dominica. I think it might have been called what he called this island. Anyway, he was a governor. And at one point, the the account was that he had a woman. Uh, his brother had a woman dragged through the streets naked and then had her tongue cut out because she had apparently said that Christopher Columbus was of low birth. And he apparently said to his brother, way to stick up for the family over that event. Now, that's just one little anecdote. But like he was apparently just an incredibly brutal guy and and just saw everybody who was non-white as just a person who is to just be dominated and used for whatever you want. There's another account from his buddy. He named one of these islands for his childhood buddy. Um, by the way, these are, I'm not reading. This is not like from the um, I'm not reading from FARC or something. This is all like actually legit, you know, somewhat scholarly discourse on Columbus. But one of the things was he named one of these islands for his buddy. Um, I forget the guy's name. But anyway, the guy sailed over, I think, on Columbus's second voyage with him. And the guy writes in his own notes how excited he was because Columbus had found this local woman there and basically turned her over naked to the dude. And then the dude's writing this like jolly, hilarious anecdote about how he wants to have sex with the woman, but she doesn't like it. And she's scratching him with her claws. But then he beats her enough with a rope that it was as if she was raised in a whore's school. This is the story that Columbus's buddy is telling about that one crazy time where Chris Columbus gave him this lady to, you know, do horrible things with. So just it would seem that he was a, a, a very, very awful person who just was extremely racist and, and, and whether intentionally or not led to uh, like the genocide of this island. And I forget the name of the indigenous people who were on this one particular island. But again, they went from being like two or three million to being like 50,000 during the time Christopher Columbus was kind of in charge of the place. Okay. Yeah. I'm sold indigenous people's day. It is. <laughs> but then on the other hand, it's like, I mean, the, the, like they talked about uh, somebody who was trying to diss. Actually, I was watching this. I was 
reading or watching something where somebody was trying to point out how lame Christopher Columbus is. Oh, it might have been John Oliver. And he was talking about how the Vikings had actually been to the U.S. or been to America first. And I thought, if you want to talk about rapey people, Hmm. the Vikings kind of wrote the book on it, right? And then I started thinking, like, well, in those days... Everybody was just taking everything by brute force. It was it's awful, but it's like unless uh, somebody not those peaceful tribes. Well, not I, I guess mean, not those guys. Un- I mean, again, but but it's like uh, the other thing. The other big criticism of Columbus is, you know, what they what they call the pre-Columbian era, essentially before Christopher Columbus came across the ocean, because before then these continents were still operating pretty discreetly. But then once he came over, it just it changed the world, and it it led to basically like. Caucasians really doubling down on their horrible treatment of people of color who were typically living, you know, in a much simpler life. I don't know if you can blame Columbus for that, because if he didn't do it, somebody else was going to do it in five or 10 years. I mean, I I don't know. What do you have to celebrate a day dedicated to the guy who did initiate it? Well, here's the reason to celebrate him. Jen, at any point, jump in here if you care about this or if you think I'm off base. Here's the reason to celebrate Columbus. He did not discover America, but what he did do is he was he was the first person to come over to this side of the world and then go back to Europe and say, hey, it's over there. Check it out. It's awesome. So he essentially created the link. Now, if you're um, somebody who's, you know, of Native American extraction, you would say that wasn't a great thing because it led to a lot of heartache over here and a lot of murder, which is totally true. But it's like he did do something pretty scary, which is he sailed out onto the ocean. Also, side note. Now they don't think that anybody thought any no real like smart people thought the earth was flat at the time Columbus sailed. Like it was pretty well known at that point that the earth was round. So it wasn't like he sailed off of what he thought was going to be a cliff. Like mm-hmm. it was still scary though. You're sailing out into the ocean. I mean, I've sailed from Seattle to Port Townsend. I know it's terrifying out there on the high seas. Mm-hmm. We got stalled by Kingston. We're sitting out there in the doldrums. It was hard to start our motor. I've lived it people. But anyway, it's like he did do this thing, which is, Um, probably for terrible reasons, which is he wanted to get rich and he was also an idiot because he thought he was in India, but he sailed across the ocean and he opened up this entire world for an entire continent of people um, that, you know, that wasn't open up to that point. So that is kind of something. I mean, it's not a non-accomplishment in my mind. But is that the reason for the day? Uh, You know, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of these, um, these days that go on forever. You know, like if you, if the mm. if the year after Pearl Harbor you want to have a Pearl Harbor Day and everybody gets the day off that's fine but that shouldn't go on for thousands of years same with 9/11 same with all of these things I mean because like you said life is messy and our our belief systems and our values change and we don't still hold to the same kinds of things that maybe we held to 100 or 200 years ago and so I don't think that these should just go on forever I think you just have and, – and, and I hate all the, you know, National Coffee Appreciation Day. I hate all that kind of stuff. I figure everybody has If you has say something one that, thing about Administrative Assistance Day <laughs> or if you even call it Secretary's Day, this call is over. <laughs> I think that everybody has some things that are meaningful to them. And whether it's, you know, a Jewish holiday, a Christian holiday, Dawkins birthday, I don't care. <laughs> like everybody like has – The band? Has, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Both of them. Wouldn't that be great? Doc and Richard and the band. Get them both in there. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm thinking that if, if everybody just has five days a year that they can use for the things that, that are meaningful to them, whether religious or otherwise, just leave it at that. Hmm. That's a really, that's that's a really interesting that, idea. Go for it. Yeah, Andrew. because it's interesting because you raise an intriguing point, Jen, because... 
in a certain way, just saying like straight up, like using um, December 7th as an example, saying like, well, you know, a couple of years after Pearl Harbor, it's on everybody's mind. Um, that's when you should, ce- should celebrate it. But after a certain point, let it go. I think, well, that is the whole purpose of designating a, a, a day so that when generations, when you no longer have anybody living from that generation, you can still remember that day what happened and whether you want to use it um, just to remember the lives that were lost or to even even think like ah yes this is the world we live in and you know as you guys always say if you forget TBTL history you're bound to repeat it and it, it, that's a obviously kind of hokey thing doomed to say about history to repeat it oh sorry doomed what did I say you forgot bound? it you said oh, bound sorry. see if you'd listen yeah, sorry. And remember. but how do we decide that, that Pearl Harbor Day is more important than any other day when horrible things happen the day Katrina hit right. I mean lots of things happen right. We don't have days for all of those things. And I think that, and that's why I say you raise an intriguing point. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but it's it makes me think because I do sort of think that. Well, I am glad to know. You know, if it weren't for Pearl Harbor Day, I don't know. I'm I'm also an idiot, but I don't know that I would necessarily remember that it's December seventh. There's a reason for it. But why do you and think even it's important that you remember it's on December seventh? I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong. Never with, trust a um, Japanese uh, person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's kind of the main. Those are the days I don't talk to my Japanese friends. I'd like to thank our Japanese listeners. I've enjoyed having you with us for the last seven, 1,700. Uh, Sugoi, indeed. We are no longer Japan's number one morning show, Jen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but then, contrary, so I don't know if it's contrary to that or building upon that. It's interesting what you say because... That's what I kind of like about people. And I didn't really have an opinion about this until we started talking about it. But that's why I, based on what you just said, it makes me like the idea that we have now, we we are a changing society and our morals have changed. And therefore, people are saying, you know what, the more we think about this Christopher Columbus dude and we have modern context to look at what he did let's change it to Indigenous Peoples Day. And then you've actually taken something that I either didn't care that much about or didn't really think that much about and actually made me think, oh, yeah, that is kind of good because now it is still a day that we can demark, but in a more in a way that reflects where we are as a society now, but still looking back to the past as well. That's kind of interesting. I, I think mean, well, first it's probably of, not interesting. but Andrew, I let me throw a couple things. One, don't feel bad about not having thoughts on this until we started talking. I read a quote from T.S. Eliot today. One mm-hmm. doesn't know quite what it is that one wants to get off the chest until one's got it off. Mm. So, well, thank you for helping me. So there you go. Off. That's that's a little um, clearance on that. Um, I, I actually, Jen, I hadn't thought of it the, the way you described it either, but I think you're totally right. Because the other thing is the way that we think about the world changes and the way we think about our heroes changes and the kind of people we hold as heroes is going to continue to change. And also mm-hmm. the other thing is we almost never have the accurate story about any of this shit. You know what I mean? It's like we mm-hmm. love Thomas Jefferson, except he also was probably raping his female slaves. It's like we we venerate these people and we, and we have this, I mean, look, I don't know enough about Pearl Harbor. I know that it was considered a sneak attack. I know that, um, you know, it was a, it was preemptive action from the Japanese, from our side of things, but I, I'm sure that there's more nuance to that story. Even Pearl Harbor, there's more nuance to that story than we probably realize. Um, certainly, uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki are also days we should be remembering if we're remembering mm-hmm. Pearl Harbor, because a lot more people died in those events. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to welcome back our Japanese listeners. Uh, <laughs> now that I'm pointing out how 
uh, how awful, and I mean that really, how inc- incredibly awful those events were and unnecessary they've now mm-hmm. found. Anyway, I guess... And don't what- you think it's just... I'm, and I, all, of this, all of this is confusing and messy and hard to get the full exactly what happened story, and time is hurtling forward. And I just feel like also we're not all going to always agree on these things. And why are we having federal holidays about stuff like this? Yeah, I, I don't understand the point. That, well, it's I, it's this notion that like we have to remember what the hallmark of this country hallmarks of this country are and also remember the events so that we can, as Andrew said, you know, we don't repeat the history. But of course, it doesn't stop us from repeating no. the history. And it's this odd thing where, you know, what is it going to be 10,000 years later and we're going to be performing some ritual, um, you know, our our. Future, 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 future generations are going to be performing some ritual of remembrance of something that happened 10,000 years ago, which, by the way, will be so bastardized at that point. Can you imagine how, like, Uh it'll be like, and now put the banana in your ear in honor of 911. You know what I mean? It'll just be, it'll become a completely, like, they won't know what happened uh, exactly on the day, and they'll have the wrong heroes and the wrong good guys and bad guys, and, like, it just... There's no way for us to really have the impact that the idea of remembering these days is supposed to have, typically. And so also, I want to say that Indigenous Peoples Day is really awkwardly named. I would agree with that. I mean, uh, but well, I would I, like to say that I'm looking forward to Banana in Your Ear Day. I know you <laughs> like, are a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know that about you. Right, is there a reason that? Well, I know in Canada they say First Nations. I learned that well, from the Vancouver Olympics, which was. One of the many things I learned from the Vancouver Olympics. Well, that's the. I mean, indi- the Indigenous Peoples Day thing is because you had a bunch of a bunch of liberals getting together to. Yeah. Like it wasn't named by Rush Limbaugh. That's why it's you know called Indigenous Peoples Days because nobody could agree on which group of people should be honored. So it was like let's honor everybody. And in fact, it's amazing it's even called Indigenous Peoples Day. Probably they would if they were there for twenty more minutes. It would be called Peoples Day, but also okay if you're not a person. Yeah, I'm just not Dang. a fan of government holidays. I guess that's what it comes down to. Give everybody the di- give everybody five days, and they can celebrate it with the things that are meaningful to them and their family, and leave it be. That's my rule. But what about entrenched ones? Because I mean, I, I and again, I don't want to be one of those people who takes this like to a ridiculous, ridiculous place say, um, to try and argue with you. Because like, okay, I think we all can agree that Veterans Day, Memorial Day, the, the, these are not one day in history. These are ongoing events. We're constantly losing people in, in overseas battles. So I'm just going to assume that we're on board with that. But like the Fourth of July, obviously that is becoming that is so entrenched and it's part of our culture. And Jen, does it even matter to you whether or not it's actually marking a certain day? But it's just something that's just a modern tradition at this point. I don't like it. The 4th of July. No. Oh, really? I thought for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll toss that. And I'll and, and frankly, Veterans really? Memorial Day are embarrassing to me, too, because nobody actually honors them or remembers them on those yeah. days. And it's I agree kind with of you like, on that. I think it's embarrassing. I actually huh. had, a, I had a knock on the door. This is kind of a saucy story. Oh, okay. But um, on Memorial Day... Um, Jason and I, it was our first day off in like months and months and months, and we decided to have mommy-daddy time mm-hmm. in the middle of the day, which mm-hmm. was super exciting. Yeah. And right as we decided to start, to commence, yes means yes, we heard a <laughs> pounding at the door. And I go to the door, and I open it, and it is a World War II veteran, a tiny little, very, very old man wearing his World War II cap, standing on my front porch. And I said, can I help you? And he said, well, I'm really sorry that I woke you up because I was in a robe. And I was like, well, kind of. We just do a little hugging and kissing and good, clean fun. 
And then he said, I am the landscaper, and I'm here to mow your lawn, and I didn't want to frighten you. And so I said, because we were renting this house. I said, okay, Um, nice to meet you. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you for your service. I mean, it was so (laughs) awkward, so I shut the door. And then Jason and I looked at each other. I'm like, are we going to go to hell because there's a World War II veteran mowing our lawn on Memorial Day? Like, we didn't know what to do, and obviously we weren't not going to have mommy-daddy time no, at that point. No. So that was over. Someone's lawn was going to get mowed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and let me ask you this. When you said, thank you for your service, did you mean the service of mowing our lawn? <laughs> hey, I hope he didn't think that. I, did, I wasn't going to World War II now that I think about it. Anyway, it was so awkward and uncomfortable. We just sat inside while this little old man veteran mowed our lawn on Memorial Day. This is, oh, it was horrible. Anyway. Yeah, I blame him. That's how I honored veterans on Memorial Day. Well, I'm glad, wow. I'm glad to hear that um, you've, I'm glad to hear that you're still involved in goal-oriented touching. <laughs> yeah. Even 12, <laughs> even 12 years into marriage <laughs> or however long. 16. Yes. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Um, and I am not, you know, I am no Dan Savage. I am not a sex advice columnist. Mm-hmm. Um, but in fact, I, I don't, I've never had sex. But right. I, my advice is that you, you don't try to, it. You know, I don't think you have to answer the door. Like, I, don't, I think you can just sometimes let Did people you consider hanging a sign up on the door? I'm sorry. So you think you, you could just continue on with somebody pounding on your front door? Are you well, serious? I mean, it was, so it, that... it was a continue. It was a continual pounding. I mean, I always usually. I mean, usually we have a doorbell, so it'll be like ring once, wait, uh, then a little bit later they'll ring again, and usually by the second ring they're like, "These people aren't home," and they leave. Nope. No, this this man fought in World War II. He doesn't yes. give up. Easy. <laughs> That's right. He it started like knock knock knock, uh-huh. and then it was uh-huh. and then there was like thirty seconds that we did the like, "Is it going to go away?" And then it was like bang bang bang, and then we waited another thirty seconds, and then it was full. Hand, bam, 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 against the door. Jesus. Yeah. That's why we won the war, right there. That's right. Gentlemen like him. Those Jerry's didn't stand a chance (laughs) against persistent knocking. <laughs> I, I um I, I think Jen I think that you have you have uh, raised a really this is a great system so everybody gets um you get however many vacation days your work wants to offer you but then in terms of holidays just you get five yeah and and use them on whatever you want like I would use them on uh, Thanksgiving is a really big one in my family just because we have always got everybody together so that's and cool. would you and let me ask you this would you also use Friday. Because you know a lot of people insist that they want Thursday and Friday. Yeah, I would. So would you would take the, both? You would take up two of your days for Thanksgiving. I'd use two of my days for Thanksgiving. That's a biggie, and then I would use a day for uh, Christmas because I like Christmas, mm-hmm. and then I would use a, a day for New Year's Day, not New Year's Eve Day, because I'll go to work on New Year's Eve, but then yeah. uh, party like it's nineteen ninety nine on New Year's Eve, and then have New Year's Day off. But yeah, like basically, you get to pick yours, use them however you want, instead of this. Kind of, I mean, even today, I got here to the to the post office and it was locked, and I was totally confused. And then I was like, "Oh, rapey hand cutter off guy day." <laughs> that's oh, that's why no one that's can be a here. Good name though. Yeah. Um, we uh, let's see here. We're we're just about out of time. Um, so should we just can we do a lightning round or something on on? I mean, Jen, do you care about this SNL topic at all? Should we, let's, let's. I care about it as much as I think it's. It's bizarre that um, Bill Hader is not a movie star. And so, of course, people didn't tune in to watch him. You know, I think it's a one-off. 
Well, the thing mm-hmm. is, I mean, it was uh, Tina Fey had only slightly better ratings when she hosted the season premiere, and I think it's more a problem with the show that they they had a huge exodus of some of their yeah. more well known people and. And and so it's certainly not Bill Hader's fault. I actually thought it was like a, a sort of a funny episode. But I guess what I wondered was like in this day and age where nobody stays up and t- nobody's watching Saturday Night Live in real time. You you watch it in pieces on the internet or you DVR it and you watch it. You know whenever you get to it, it's like this idea of a, a show on Saturday night that everyone's gathered around their TVs and it's kind of almost a party atmosphere and it's live and oh my god, it's like it just feels mm-hmm. very outdated to me. Except that it's one of the very few things that's happening live. It's being filmed live. And yes, you're right. We are watching it the next morning or whatever. Most of us watch it delayed. But it did happen live. And we have so few of those things left in the world that I think it's valuable. I do too. I don't like the show anymore. Like, and I haven't watched it in, in in a really long time. I see, you know, bits and pieces. I actually like the fact that we live in an era where the best parts bubble up, and I can watch it on Monday morning and you know whatever blog roundup type of thing. Um, but I would say it's not hurting anybody, um, with the possible exception of NBC executives, I guess. But it's like it's 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 late at night. I don't watch it. A lot of people apparently aren't watching it, but it's not hurting me. And I guess you throw in um, Jen's argument about it is just nice to have something that's really live that isn't sports. So we lose that, and it's just sports and SNL. Something happens that goes... Somebody says the F word, something goes wrong or remarkably right, and it's there. It's broadcast live. There's something very exciting about that. And also, hopefully it will remain an incubator. You know what I mean? I don't think I would have known who Kristen Wiig is was until until that show came around and so even even during years maybe when it has these kind of fallow years maybe there will be a gem or two as far as yeah you know, and it's called Taryn Killam there's a gem oh, happening yeah, right. right now I mean that show is he is going to be the next Wolf Ferrell I mean he is a star really and he's being born on the show you oh, know that's so funny I think A.D. Bryant is for me actually for me it's um Kyle uh Mooney Kyle Mooney. I think because, so, too. He's really phenomenal. We were pretty... Addie and I were... Addie was the one who who turned me on to his, like, weirdo videos that he was making before he was on SNL, but... Right. But, but Inside um, SoCal, I mean, that's <laughs> one of the better public access shows I've ever seen. <laughs> Absolutely is. All right, quickly here... Um, one more time. Uh, I went and saw Gone Girl over the weekend, and Andrew, I know you saw it, and Jen, you read the book. So actually, yeah, I did not see the movie though. But this is interesting perspective um, because I know that um, it's it's a there's a lot going on in the book, and so they had to decide David Fincher, the director, and. Uh, actually, um, the woman who wrote the book also wrote the screenplay. So I feel like if I'm being critical, as I will be in a moment here, of of her screenwriting, it's, you know, at least I'm blaming the right person because it was like she was responsible for both of them. Uh, I, um, I give this five uh, emoji poops down. I thought this, wow. movie, I thought this movie was... The steaming ones? Yep, those ones. Exactly those ones. I thought this movie was terrible. And... I can't believe that it's getting 
people are like loving it and, and talking about how great it is. It's like the dialogue again, Jen, this is the movie version. I don't know what the dialogue's like in the book, but the dialogue in the movie, particularly at the beginning, the first like 15 minutes of the movie, it's that kind of rat-a-tat-tat -tat where like, like the ben, ben Affleck and his wife, they, and I'm not going to try not spoil anything, but anyway, they meet, you know, at this party and they're having one of those conversations where it's like, each person's t saying some incredibly witty, tightly wound thing. And then the other person, like, they don't even take a breath. They just come right in with their thing. And then the other person says, and you're just like, doesn't somebody have to breathe in this conversation? How Nobody talks this way. It was so unrealistic that it took me totally out of it. Did that bother you at all, Andrew? It's funny that you say that. I know exactly the scene you're talking about, and I won't argue with you on that. I think you're right. It was that it was unrealistic, snappy Hollywood dialogue. When especially, it's always cranked up, especially uh, you know during love stories when when the young couple meet and it's cute and all of that. Um, and you are right. I guess. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is fair or not, but I, I just feel like maybe it was an expectation game. I mean, that scene. You're right. It was usual. It was your usual Hollywood. You know, um, guy meets girl at the party scene. It didn't strike me as being horrible, but I also did not think that this was going to be some amazing movie. And I saw it on opening weekend, so maybe I didn't. I, and I still haven't heard people gushing about it. Um, I, I I got a text from you this weekend saying, don't see this movie. It's the worst. And I was like, oh, I saw it last weekend. And, you know, don't love it. I wouldn't necessarily recommend or tell anybody you've got to go out and see this movie. But I also wasn't offended by it. I thought it was definitely flawed with its reasoning. And, and again, we have to be very, very careful. But I would say the first half is kind of interesting and intricate. And then all, all of the intricacies kind of fall apart and yes. it stops following its own logic in the second half. Yes. Is, that's my biggest problem with any movie, when you stop following your own yes. logic. It became but, um, to me like it was the, like the farcical. Was worse. And I'm going to say something that, spo that would spoil the movie for somebody. If you haven't seen it or read the book and you're really intent on it, turn your um, device, whatever it is you're using, listen to down for a minute. Like, I thought it would have been hilarious if at the end of the movie... She just keeps getting in more trouble and she just keeps fake raping her way out of it. So like the police have her surrounded. Like they all they all have their guns drawn and then she like grabs one and starts making out with him and then pretends he rapes her and then the other police get mad at him and then she's running and then like a, a King Kong grabs her and then she makes the King Kong think he rape think he It was like it was so recalculous by the end what she was doing and my other problem with this was I watch a ton of these forensic file type of shows and it was like Throughout, I just kept going, oh, there's no way that the police would like, oh, man, they'd have this figured out in like a nanosecond. I think mm -hmm. you're totally right, Andrew. I think it was I had high expectations because right before I saw the movie, uh, our buddy Mike Pesca gave me the book, which he just finished. He's a bright guy. So I was like, this book must be good. And everyone's talking about the book. Jen, how did the book strike you? Um, it was very uh, tightly put together. I I don't know what the changes they made in the movie. I would say that that snappy banter thing was in it, and I. But I actually would say that that's in most romance novels mm -hmm. and movies because you have to convince people watching or reading that these characters have fallen in love very quickly mm. so that you can mm -hmm. move along. Interesting. And so they do it in this way where they make them so heightened. They're so beautiful and they're so smart and they're so witty and they're so talented. Like it all has to happen really fast so that you can move on with the book. Right. So I think that's always kind of a flaw in those kinds of stories. And I also just think that overall, the whole story of Gone Girl is a horror story. I mean, it really is, you know, when a marriage goes bad, nobody wants to be, nobody wants to be in it, you know, <laughs> and to be trapped in a bad marriage. And it's like she takes it to the level of horror, mm -hmm. you know, and so it's not like it's a joy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a rough read, and I assume the movie was a rough 
see. There was just to me, it was just it. It became comical by the time because, like, again, we're still we're in the realm of ruining this for people. If they're dying to see this again, turn your thing. Why'd you turn your radio back on? Give it a second. We're still doing this. God, you, you know we're long winded. You've only yourself to blame. You've heard the show. Um, it was like when, as soon as she gets in touch with the, in the movies played by Neil Patrick Harris, as soon as she reaches out to that character, I'm like, oh, well this movie's over because like any realistically speaking, if the whole world thought Scott Peters, Scott Peterson's wife called her high school boyfriend at some point it would just be like, oh, then he would just call the police and be like, holy shit, Lacey Peterson just called me. She's not dead. Right. And then it'd be like, oh, yes. that was crazy when that happened. It would not be like the way that this thing portrayed it. Like it just, I guess I was expecting something that was really interesting and really held my attention. And it just seemed like very middle of the road. And then I think about another movie. God, this is going to really tick some people off potentially. Like I thought the movie Mystic River was terrible. And people, oh, God, I hate that movie. People, oh, that's like the worst movie but ever. But so many people love that movie, and I just feel like, am I missing it? Or, I mean, can somebody write a taut, crime-based movie where everything doesn't get oh, super over-the-top and melodramatic and silly and no one's saying, you're the king, to Sean Penn at the end, or whatever the LA hell? Confidential. I recommend LA Confidential. That's oh, a that's great a crime point. movie. I loved that, it's pretty too. tight. That's but a, I don't know if yeah. it holds up. You know, that's a long time ago. I don't know. I guess yeah, I just, I, I had, I think I had too high of expectations going in, and then it just was, you're right, um, if I would have just been told, somebody would have sat me down and said, oh, Ben Affleck's in this new movie where his wife disappears, and they don't know what happened. Like, oh, okay, I would go into that with a certain expectation, but I guess I was expecting to it have... Is being hyped. I mean, there's like Oscar talk, and all the reviews are kind of raved. That's the thing. My, Carrie was telling me on Rotten Tomatoes, I had this really, really great reviews and stuff. Um, so that was a disappointment to me. I will tell you what was not a disappointment to me, Snowpiercer, which I purchased on demand, and I thought was... I'm dying to see that. I don't know why. I wanted to see that awesome. in the theater so bad. I know. It's still good on your TV, though. I'll tell you that. Good. Jen, do you have any interest in Snowpiercer? Do you even know what I, this is? Yeah, I did have some interest for a while, but then I had... But then I heard that it kind of degenerates into massive violence in the second half. Um, let me think. It's, it's definitely less. The the, the 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 end is not as strong as the beginning. But it's, it's not really an interesting psychological experiment. And it's like really interesting to think about. It really makes yes. you start thinking. But then it just turns into just a massive bloody free for all. And It's not. To I mean, it's not any more than. Not any more than um, fiction. Then yeah, you know, mixed with three hundred. <laughs> okay. Um, no, but Tilda Swinton is unreal in this movie. She's so amazing, um, and uh, so I would, I would, I would recommend Snowpiercer over Gone Girl for what that's worth. But again, maybe I just need to like lower my expectations or something. I, I was considering seeing the Skeleton Twins, although because they keep showing, they're showing that here in town, and they keep showing previews for. It. I love both of the people involved, but I feel like haven't mm -hmm. we seen this is a this would be called what would you call this pre criticism? I'm criticizing a movie I haven't actually seen yet. The problem for me is it's like we know this movie. The siblings, yeah. they used to be close, and now they're estranged, and, but they're stuck back mm. at their parents' house because of a crisis. And then they lip-sync to a uh, Jefferson Starship song. And, then, you know, it's like I kind of feel like I know everything this movie's going to do. But, but yeah, it know. seems like it'll be a schlock a second. I feel like what's going to make that movie work really well is going to be the chemistry between um, between those two, yeah. Wig and um, what's his name? Bill we Hader. talking about him, a hater. Um, and I believe they probably really do have a chemistry. And I'll bet you I would get a lump in my throat at times watching that film. But I know that everything around, I'll bet you I get everything I need out of the trailer. You know, like I just, I think that I, it would be, I, I have, even though I was going to say that I have a pretty high tolerance now, especially considering 
the types of shit that I, I wouldn't be caught dead seeing when I was in college because I was a dumb like snob or thought I was. Now I'm much more kind of like, oh, whatever. Vives and I went to see Into the Storm. Why not? Horrible movie. Good popcorn. You know, like I, I'm. But there is something when a, a movie kind of takes itself seriously, but it's really, really corny. Like that's the type of stuff that I have trouble, or, or even just super cliche. That's what I have trouble choking down. Jen, what's a good movie you've seen of late that you want to recommend to people? Uh, What's your favorite movie you've seen in the last three months? Uh, On it could be a rental, a and it could be pressure question. Could be uh, in a theater. Last Man, I've years. just seen so many really bad movies lately. Do you have any movies you'd like to steer people away from? Uh, Mortal Instruments. I didn't even know that was a thing. Terrible. Okay. It's. I read the book and I talked about it on TV show a long time ago about it's a it's a young adult. Fiction, but it's about oh. a world. It, they, all these kids live in Brooklyn, and but everything you've ever heard of is true, like fairies and oh. vampires, and like all of all the myths are all true. And anyway, it was kind of an interesting idea for a book, but the movie was terrible. Okay, I saw this is where I leave you. Oh yeah, um, oh, yeah. And that's one where I had a reverse situation where kind of the reviews were all pretty blah, blah mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. Yeah, like, it wasn't great, but I I completely enjoyed it. It was one of those where I sat there the whole time with a smile on my face. Um, I, it was interesting to see that Tina Fey continues to have, it's her one Achilles heel, which is vulnerability. She can't do it. Hmm. And I think that's probably her, the way she is in real life. I mean, I think most of us have, you know, we put on our tough candy shell. And I think that that's her, when she's acting, when she needs to show true, true vulnerability, she falters in those moments. It's always a little awkward and you realize, oh, she's trying to act vulnerable. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I can see that. Um, uh, well, well, let's see. Uh, what about Interstellar? I've seen 80,000 previews for that. I think that looks cool, but uh, Carrie was like, mm, thumbs down. She's, I don't even know what that is. That's Matthew McConaughey. It's directed by Christopher Nolan, and it's like Matthew oh. McConaughey and um, uh, what the, um, the young gal that was a Princess Diaries and is now a woman and very Anne famous. Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. <laughs> Happy Women's Day, everybody. Um, happy Indigenous job, Women's women. Day. <laughs> uh, Anne Hathaway and Matthew McConaughey have to go into space and find a, some other planet So, because uh, there's problems on Earth. Michael Caine tells him he has to. And then Jessica Chastain is in a cornfield and she's sad. I'm not doing a great sales pitch for the movie, but... <laughs> well, it kind of sounds like the Elysium. Elysium? Uh, wasn't that also everybody had to leave Earth and go find another planet? There's been a lot of those movies lately. I don't know if, they're, if that indicates something about our national psyche. But um, anyway, all right. Well, uh, to summarize, Kim Jong Il either dead or suffering through some intense combination skin. Uh, I feel like I have to be. I feel like I have to say. I, I know. I, every time I do TV show, I get all this mail of people that I've devastated, and so I just want to really? say, obviously, I would like to honor veterans. Can I just say that? Yes. The yeah. only reason I'm you just saying have your own way. Day yeah. and you, have, you, day. you just have your own disgusting way of doing it. <laughs> I'm yeah. I just I just know somebody's going to write me and be like my grandpa died at Pearl Harbor and how dare you and it's like I hope you have right. a day where you can honor your grandpa. That's what I want for you. Well, lady. if their grandpa died at me. Pearl Harbor, they're probably not alive. <laughs> Cuz their grandpa probably didn't have any kids. So <laughs> bend your mind on that for a minute, McFly. <laughs> no, he left the pregnant wife behind. Oh, Haven't you ever seen a war movie? Oh, I have. Yeah. I think it was called <laughs> Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck. <laughs> bring it all together all right well listen jen thank you so much for checking in will you please uh, will you keep your finger on the pulse of north korean possibilities yes i will okay and uh, <laughs> and check in anytime we love having you on the show um, thank you. um what do they call you again andrew walsh 
Yeah, oh, my name, yeah, it's yeah. Andrew. Andrew Walsh, thank Hi. you for being on the show. And thank you for having me. Congrats on your Browns. Thank you. I'm Tech sorry. That, it, it, so yes, it, was a, it, was, it was a bittersweet day. Oh, please, whatever. Day. The Seahawks lost. It, it, into every life, a little rain must fall. Don't, don't, don't let that temper your excitement over your Brian Hoyer-led Browns. I will say this. That's right. I know we're wrapping up. Yeah? But we did have, um, for the first time since I've been in L.A., we had a whole bunch of, uh, the game was actually broadcast, the Seahawks game. So the first time ever, we actually were able to have a whole bunch of people over to watch the Seahawks game. Oh, great. And I got to say, I missed that so much from Seattle, having people over to watch the game. So, and it was a bunch of Seattle fans, actually. Oh, man. You know, even though we lost, it was a good day of bonding for me. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. I was, I was busy. You were probably giving Rudy murder eyes. <laughs> I swear to God, if you come over here one more time, every time you do that, he throws an incompletion. <laughs> we have a complicated relationship. All right, everybody, have a great Monday. Uh, the rest of oh, it anyway. Jen. Oh yeah, Jen, you Wait. you guys say it. Wait. You say it, skeleton twins. Okay. You lead the way, Andrew, and 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 then follow. Take it. Take it home, Flash. I've never said the beginning part. Before. Well, let's, let's get weird. crazy. Wait. Okay. So. Uh, Er, 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 wait, honestly. Um, no. no. Okay. Yeah, I know. I got really nervous for a second, Jen. My mind went See, it's blank. harder than it I'm looks. not even joking. It really is. Man, never let me start the show. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow, everybody. Remember, no mountain too tall. And good luck to all.